Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a podcast brought to you by the Triad Network. This podcast is designed to share trending topics occurring within the world and our communities and bring them a behavioral and mental health perspective. Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a Triad production. I'm your host, Dr. Graham Taylor. In today's episode, we're going to be resuming our conversation with Dr. Stephanie Carnes and her book, Courageous Love, A Guide to Conquering Betrayal. In our last episode, we discussed the impact of betrayal trauma on a relationship, the responses with these foundational ruptures that take place that include emotional dysregulation, attachment ambivalence, shame, and fear that are caused by the betrayal, and the opportunities to repair the attachment disruption. We're going to resume our talk today by discussing the expression of pain and the opportunities for a relationship to have a chance to heal and to grow. So you're talking about the one that gets to listen and that works to understand has to have this holding capacity, this, 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 this room to kind of hold that space. And the one that brings it and begins to share, they have to go through kind of their own work around, well, if I share this, what's going to happen? And one, as I talk about it, I have to, to re-experience what has been so painful to me. I got to talk about the very ways at which I've been, been most hurt in my life. And that's a lot to... That's a lot it of those is. moments, isn't it? I would say that for most partners, there's an innate drive to do that. You know, the vast majority of partners I work with, they want to express this pain. Yeah. They, they, It's kind of like they need to unburden themselves yeah. with the things that are the most painful about this. So yeah. I think it's actually a little bit bigger of an ask for the unfaithful person to, that, I'm not saying that they have more work, that work is different. They have to be able to have the capacity to listen and tolerate and kind of lean in as we've been talking about the partner's tasks are to be able to express their pain and also hang in there long enough to see the changes get made and, you know, give the opportunity for the relationship to have the chance to heal and grow. A lot of times partners in early betrayal trauma will just want to leave, right? And, or that will be kind of the instinct. And what I tell partners in that situation and in the early part of betrayal trauma is to try to delay decision-making and see how the other party responds to treatment and sit back and collect data, see if they take this seriously, start taking initiative, demonstrating commitments, doing the actions that they need to take. And that will provide information on whether or not this is disabled, yeah. right? Because you really have to have both parties willing to work on it. So yeah. one party has to kind of delay decision-making and hang in there and the other party has to really demonstrate their commitment. That's right. So they're both difficult tasks. I, I like what you're saying, though. Each each party has a rule. Each party has a set of tasks. Yeah. And each party has a decision to make about the level of commitment they're going to bring to this process. Stephanie, let's address some of the practitioners that listen in on this podcast that are interested in and have an opportunity to incorporate your book, courageous love into their work with couples. You talk about a number of ways to kind of walk people through or, or practitioners can work with those coming in to see them. Talk about how this book can be incorporated in such a kind of helpful and therapeutic way. 
I use this book in the CSAT training, Certified Sex Addiction Therapist Training, where I teach about working with couples through this process. So there's a lot to it because it, it includes not only a lot of education on betrayal trauma, but also the facilitated disclosure process, yes. because that is a very dicey part of healing for couples with betrayal, because as you can imagine, a new partner that's just made discoveries, they want to know everything, right? They want to know sometimes down to the littlest, most painful detail yeah. of everything that their partner has done. And so it sets up this very negative dynamic of the partner asking, pursuing for information and the other party trying to get out of giving that information and, and all the distrust of, is there more and what else is there? And oftentimes even imagining it to be much worse than it is. Right. And so it's just, it's very helpful if the therapist can move in and provide a very safe environment for couples to do a disclosure. And so there's two therapists involved typically. There's a, the partner has their own therapist, the unfaithful party has their own therapist. But we'll just use addicts as, a, as an example for this. So if it's an addict, they will craft a statement that summarizes their behavior with the appropriate amount of detail. So basically that's clear facts that isn't going to leave the partner guessing about what happened without the painful details yeah. as part of that. And they organize it in a very clear fashion that is easy to follow. And typically what happens is that the disclosure is scheduled so that there's a lot of support in place that week. Typically they don't necessarily stay in the same home, you know, typically stay apart if possible. The kids can go with grandma or, or what have you, if they can. And then there's support in the evenings. There's numerous therapy sessions throughout the week. So it might look something like, let's say Monday morning, all four come together, the two therapists and the couple, the couple does a disclosure, um, which I'll explain a little bit more in just a minute. And then there's maybe individual session following and then support in that evening. The next day is a couple's debriefing session, some individual and more couples therapy throughout the week and there's support in the evenings. Because if there's not support and there's not a safety plan in place, yeah. this can be a very chaotic process, a very dysregulated process. It can lead to you know, violence or hospitalizations or you know, it can be very, very destabilizing. So like a typical disclosure, an addict would write out the key pieces of information. And we always include the information that the partner wants to know. So if a partner says, I don't want to know about X, Y, or Z, we always honor what the partner's desires are with that. So if the partner has questions, specific questions, we try to get those answered and so like a typical format would be a couple comes together, the addict would read the disclosure, and then they would separate the partner and the partner's therapist would debrief and process. And then the partner would invite the addict back in for questions if they wanted. So it's very structured and contained and supported. And so I know that that's a lot for just like no, a five minute No, but what you're describing, what, what you're describing, I think, is a very essential piece. You you know, you describe it in your book as a formal 
therapeutic disclosure. And it's, it's highly supervised and it's really a controlled process to make it a process that can be kind of growth and reparative and, and trust building in, in its nature versus the inherent chaos that can come out of it if it's not controlled. Exactly. So I, I, I love, you know, I love the structure being put around it. It's really some good safeguards that are yeah. put into place. Because we know this is traumatic already for partners, right? Mm -hmm. So we know that the information is going to be painful and traumatic. So it's, it's our responsibility as therapists yeah. to try to use methods to make it as least traumatic as possible. And so typically there's this disclosure. And then what I do, I have couples debriefing in the next couple of days where we process information and do couples therapy. And then in the next couple of weeks, what I typically try to do is an impact letter on the part of the partner in which they share how this has impacted them. Some of, you know, some of the pain points, what has been most painful for them, how yes. their, their experience of this disclosure, you know, how it's impacted their sexuality, how it's yeah. impacted their self-esteem, some of the consequences that they've had, how those have impacted them. I see that, that being part of some of the grieving that needs to take place, both for the person individually, but also for them as a couple. Yeah. And, exactly. and, and how that impact gets woven in there in that grieving. It's, so powerful, so emotional that, you know, I've done, you know, hundreds of impact letters. While it's painful, it's a very reparative process because the partners feel heard. There's usually tears shed on both sides and it's like, you know, their chance to express their pain and the, the person listening. Yeah. And that's really important that they feel heard because Really, when you're working with couples, you want to get to some closure around this, right? Because what happens typically with couples struggling with this that aren't receiving treatment is these issues go on forever. Oh, that wound stays open, doesn't it? It just is forever. Oh, yeah. And that's not a positive place for yeah. a couple to be. You want to get the pain out and deal with it yeah. So and get some closure around it so you can move on. Yeah. Right. And it's not forgetting, but to get to some level of forgiveness, right. make the shifts needed in the relationship to rebuild the trust. Yeah. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Behavioral and mental health professionals provide critical support to our communities in a time when our communities need it more than ever. But they need support, too, to continue their education, to connect with colleagues and to advance their career. And so we've launched Triad, the hub for behavioral and mental health professionals. At Triad, you'll find education, community, and career resources for both current and aspiring behavioral and mental health professionals, all curated specifically for you and all for free. Visit us at hellotriad.com BHT to register for your free professional account. Again, that's hellotriad.com slash BHT. Come join the community today. Yeah, that's really good. You know, you're talking now kind of as I get that pain out, as I begin to work with it in therapeutic and healing ways, it includes understanding the impact and building empathy and taking responsibility, honesty, all those things. You're talking about a couple then getting to move to a place where they can begin to create a plan for a healthier, increasingly intimate relationship with one another. Take us into that phase of the work. 
Yeah. So, you know, what I encourage my couples to do is to do a lot of work on the betrayal early on, right? Because that really takes precedence is you know, because it's so painful and so present. But all couples have underlying relationship dynamics and a lot of other things going on. It's never just this, <laughs> right? But I found that in couples therapy, when working with these couples, is that when they come in in crisis, the betrayal usually supersedes the other issues. So I typically do the betrayal trauma sensitivity training, disclosure if needed. Not all couples need disclosure because they're partner may have all the information sure. or may not want the information or what, you know, there can be many reasons for that, but get the disclosure done. And then, you know, look at this impact process, which is sharing the impact of this. And then I have the addicts or unfaithful party do an emotional restitution, mm. which is sort of like a formal amends, right? Which is important that there is a real genuine amends that's part of this. To, to help get a little bit of closure around that. Really so good. once you get through that process, then it opens up to be able to start rebuilding the friendship, you know, presenting a united front to your friends and family, you know, rebuilding emotional and sexual intimacy, dealing with the other underlying dynamics of the relationship. There's always family dynamics or communication dynamics and that are part of any couple, but all of that is very difficult to work on if you haven't done this previous piece. So I see it as sort of chronological for, for most couples as you have to kind of work through the pain around the betrayal. And then it opens you up to being able to work on rebuilding and reestablishing a new relationship going forward. It's really good. You know, as you're talking about this, we oftentimes think that a couple that's gone through this is going to, you know, forever go through life limping, you know, from the emotional impact of this and the betrayal of this. And they're only going to be as good as the trust was there in the first place. And, but what you're talking about here is this whole concept of resilience yeah. and how couples can actually be stronger through the honesty, through the wounding, through the healing, that old saying, you know, the, the, love grows with age. No, no, it doesn't. What, what I've come to understand, and I got this out of a book called The Shack, and it says, you know, what grows, what grows over time is not, not love. What grows over time is the knowing of each other. Mm -hmm. And love is just the skin on the outside that expands to hold it all together in, 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 in an accepting way. Yeah. And what you're talking about here is if couples can go through this, they're not just going to be learning how to limp, you know, properly in life, they're going to be resiliently stronger and maybe even appreciate some things in life, bear with me, than those that may not have gone through something like this because of what they've worked through. Speak to that for us. I, I can't tell you how much I agree with you because I've seen so many couples that get to like year four or five that get to the point where they're looking back on this and going, God, if we've never, if we hadn't gone through that, we would have never gotten to this point together. You know, we would have never reached this level in our relationship. Yeah. So it's, again, it's an opportunity. And I tell my addicts who always, they feel so hopeless. They feel like, you know, a piece of crap, you know, they just they feel terrible oh, yeah. about themselves, about their abilities. And I tell them, 
you know, recovering addicts can make great partners. That's right. You guys are learning the skills now to be great partners. So good. And uh, the more work you do, and this goes for hurt, the hurt partners too, is the ones that do the therapy. And most times these people are in groups, they're in, you know, individual, they're in couples therapy, they're working hard. The successful people work hard and they are learning the skills to be more vulnerable, to be able to tolerate a higher level of intimacy, to live in integrity That's right. in a way that they never had before. And so they actually get to a whole nother level. They sometimes can't see that at the yeah. beginning or they feel hopeless about it. So I'm always trying to remind them you know, to take the long vision of where they can imagine themselves being in five years. It's truly hard to imagine that you could be stronger and healthier, more intimate and kind of emotionally muscled and more resilient out of a time like this. But that is the truth. And therein lies the hope from leaning into work like this, that you're encouraging and kind of giving this step-by-step approach through your book for people to do and the treatment that you provide. So that's really awesome. You know, I know we're kind of winding down in our time and uh, it's been awesome to be with you, but I'd love to have people get some resources for you about your book, Courageous Love, The Meadows Behavioral Health Care and the Institute for Trauma and Addiction. Give us some resources that they can get a hold of you through. Sure. Yeah. So if you're a therapist and you want more training, go to ITAP. We have trainings for people that want to work with addicts and partners, and also people that just want to work with partners. If you want to work with betrayal trauma, we have a certified partner trauma therapist training. Go to IITAP.com. If you are looking for resources out there, you can go to sexhelp.com. There are treatment centers. There's a therapist locator. If you want to find somebody that's been certified, you can type your zip code into that and find somebody in your area that's been certified in this work. If you're looking for residential treatment, I recommend the Meadows. We have a men's unit and a ladies unit for people with all types of out of control and problematic sex and relationship issues. So um, that's a little house and gentle path. And Courageous Love, you can get on Amazon. It's uh, available. So it's awesome. That's terrific. Well, Stephanie, it's been great to be with you again. It's always great to have you back on the show. And thank you for joining us and sharing your book with us and the treatment approach that you bring. Thank you so much, Graham. Nice to it, meet you today. It's been great. I also want to thank our listeners for joining Stephanie and me today. I always appreciate you being with us. I want to remind you that this episode and its resources and all the other shows that we have can be found on our webpage at triadhq.com slash bht. So go check out our website, triadhq.com slash BHT and explore our archive of podcasts and resource materials like the one we're doing here with Stephanie today. Thanks again for being with us on the show. We look forward to having you back with us next time on Behavior Health Today. We appreciate all the support from our community. And if you like our show, one of the best ways you can support it is by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a review. Behavioral Health Today is a podcast part of the Tribe Network, all rights reserved.